gamers, I'm Tori Dominguez-Peak. And I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. It is a video game podcast, and I am, as we speak, purchasing a video game uh, on eBay. Can you <laughs> so... tell us what game it is, Noah? Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, I was going to share this anyway when we got down to the what we're playing section. So uh, last week... Uh, Live. Live, I am clicking through my PayPal balance so that I can uh, go ahead and pay for this. Um, I talked last week about how I was playing Crosswords DS on my Nintendo DS and having a lot of fun with it. And I randomly stumbled across earlier today, there is a licensed New York Times crossword puzzle game for the Nintendo DS. And I won an eBay auction for one crisp dollar bill for this game, complete in box. Were there the other bears? <laughs> and, uh, no, I was the only one. So uh, it was just me watching and, and trying to decide if I wanted to snipe. But I I searched the <laughs> put game a dollar and fifty cents. Fuck you. I searched the game and there were too many copies available for cheap on eBay where I was like, if I snipe it, it can't even be a prank where I send it to Noah and haha, I bought it because he would just be like, you just okay, go to the, the next, next page. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> also 99 cents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's completely different. This is like the opposite of like Shimigami Tensei 4 Apocalypse, which yeah. costs like roughly a yeah. car payment or whatever. Like yeah. dollars. Yeah, where this is yeah. like, okay, it's in the shrink wrap and I'll give you six bucks if you take it. Right. Hey, yeah. maybe one yeah, day I, uh, the New York I Times in- crossword DS oh, right, game right. will be worth hundreds of dollars. Maybe. I uh I will say like crosswords DS is fun, but the thing with it is that you don't get a lot of the like you know, like half of the fun of a crossword puzzle is like some strange hint that is like not just what does this word mean or like fill in the blank. It's like practically solving a riddle. And that's something that the New York Times crossword puzzles are historically very good with and something that Crosswords DS was like kind of lacking in my mind. So I'm hopeful that uh, this new game will scratch my crossword itch. Even are there, um, well, first of all, I'm going to need you to do some reviews and some some comparisons of these, of these games you've been playing, these crossword of games. Of course. But also, do they make crossword games for current gen consoles, or a crossword game is a thing of the past? Have they have they gone the way of Sudoku? That's gotta I exist. Brain age. I am almost certain there are Sudoku games on the Switch. I can tell you that. Um, crosswords? I don't know. I that to me seems like so part and parcel with like the DS. Partly because of its marketing, as like adults play DS games too. But also with like the touchscreen and the dual screen thing, like that just seems like I'm looking right now and like there are there are crosswords games on the Switch. There's like one for 15 bucks called Pure Crosswords. Nice. But like there's no licensed New York Times crossword puzzle game. Yeah. Man, when are they going to put a Wordle game on the Switch? That's that's what they need to pivot to. Pivot to Wordle. Maybe maybe if Wordle ever comes back, they'll do that. Maybe it comes back. It was only I, I played Wordle literally two days ago. Wordle has never left. <laughs> no, I I play Wordle. What the what the fuck? You don't play Wordle? No, I'm talking to him. Do you mean like do you mean like comes back in the public? Consciousness I didn't know people still like... play Wordle. Oh, okay. This is like okay. when 
I asked Noah to download Be Real because I wanted to see his face every day. And Christine said, people still use that? And she ate me <laughs> up. She ate me up. Man, be real. You you have a, okay. Mm. What is the appeal of Be Real? Just like some more shit to post on. Actually, not some more shit to post that, on Andor. because- yeah. Like, not some more shit. It's some shit to post on. Because where the fuck else is there to post? Because Instagram is lame as fuck. And Instagram is Facebook. And Twitter, we all know what's going on at Twitter. We'll get to that later. And so, where is there to post? I don't want to post TikToks. Be well, real to, is easy. To I just, me, be real it's just seems me like in the front camera and my cat in the back camera. That's Snapchat. That's literally Snapchat. <laughs> no, it's not, though. No one's going to put their Snapchat is wiener just, on Be Real. That was what I was going to say. Snapchat is just for teenagers to send nudes. Yeah, to yeah Snapchat's already, for the guy who like you graduated high school with, but he didn't go to college. Now he like manages a Zoomies. Yeah, like there's no way on Be Real for me to like get someone's phone number or get to any of their other social media. It's just like existence on little bubble and you take a picture if you want or don't. I have and like just not been posting on it. From for so what I long. understand, you can't really like go viral on Be Real. That's not like a you cannot thing. Yeah, you can like post your stuff for uh, randos to see it, but you're not gonna go viral. There's no likes. There's no like main character of Be Real. No, on oh, uh, that's interesting to me because to me the whole point. Okay, not the whole point, but a point of social media is to kind of be a main character, like little bit like what's not main character about taking a picture of taking two pictures of your own life and just posting it online and then your friends who you have on the posting pictures of yourself app you reply to their posts by taking more pictures of yourself and putting That's it on true. their post. yeah that is extremely main character energy are you convincing yeah. me to get a b-real add me oh my god add me press start gets a b-real account um what an interesting yeah, pivot. Uh, I'm going to segue back to, to crosswords for the DS. So speaking speaking of... Oh, okay. I thought you wanted to segue to like actual gaming news. No, this, this is actual gaming news. Okay, okay. Bear with me. Crosswords DS is a type of game you cannot yeah. buy on the Nintendo stores or in game stores anymore. Because they've shut down That's basically true. all support for these past-gen games. And they just announced that they're shutting down 3DS and Wii U servers next April. So get those crossword games where you can get <sighs> yeah. them. Well, the thing that sucks about this is like, so the eShop is already shut down. So like, bye-bye eShop. You can't buy digital new games for the 3DS or the Wii U. This means that games like uh, Splatoon 1 for the Wii U and Pokemon X and Y and stuff like that that still have like fairly robust communities surrounding them are about to get the boot. And like, I get it, I guess. Like, it companies don't want to run servers for things in perpetuity. But it does suck when like, like, this is going to knock out key features for some games. None that I can think of off the top of my head, mind you. But, like, this is definitely going to knock out key features for some stuff. Yeah, it's just another blow to 
games preservation. I did see one funny tweet about it where they're like, oh, 3DS servers disappearing. One guy was like, well, lucky for me, I have a 2DS. So I'm like in the clear. Um, it's a pretty, pretty based tweet. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's so corny. Nathaniel, were you going to say something you like lined up to? Your yeah, mind? I saw this one YouTube video where I honestly just forgot what I was going to say in those three seconds. Uh, That's cool. I can make another point. Please. If you want. Okay. Um, I remember when the DS lost its servers and Nintendo shut the... I think Nintendo shut down the DS and the Wii servers either at the same time or right around the same time. And that kind of led partly into like this renaissance of people trying to hack these games and get custom servers like Mario Kart Wii still has a huge online community to this day and that's because the Wii is like really fucking easy to homebrew and it's very very easy to just like crack a copy of Mario Kart crack your Wii and then just download the uh the special thing that lets you play on the Mario Kart Wii servers but I was always I always thought about the Pokemon games and like um we talked last week a little bit about Pokemon and about how those are games that tend to like really attract audiences coming back to them years later and that kind of thing. But one of the big features of some of the DS games was the GTS. It was the global trading system. And this was like upon the advent of the internet. It was this really cool thing where you could like, if you, and this was really appealing to me as somebody who only had like a couple friends who played the Pokemon games, you could like put up a Pokemon online and request another pokemon and then trade with randos over the internet and it really it did a really wonderful job of like fostering this idea that like the pokemon community was so much bigger than like the people on your playground and the people you were friends with it was this global thing that you were connected to and like the games are still plenty playable without those features but like x and y is a is a really big one x and y is a really popular one for people to do the nuzlocke challenges for are, are either of you guys familiar with like what mm -hmm. the nuzlocke challenge okay cool um for listeners who might not know what this is this is the challenge mode version of pokemon you play where like you can only catch one per route and when a Pokemon faints, you can't use them anymore. You have to treat them like they're dead. Really popular for streamers, really popular for people on YouTube. And a special, there's a run in X and Y, a type of run where you do all those things. And then every time you beat a gym leader, you have to do a wonder trade with one of the Pokemon in your party. And this was a feature that was exclusive to like the 3DS era of games. I think they might still have it in the current ones. I haven't played any of the current ones to know. But a wonder trade is just like a random trade with a random user online where you offer up a Pokemon and you don't know what you're going to get in return and it just syncs you up with a random person and you just get a Pokemon in return. And so a lot of times you'll wonder trade like a crappy one and you'll get another crappy one back. And sometimes you'll get some guy who's like clearly hacking on the other end and it's just like spitting level one shiny Pokemon into the ether and that kind of thing. So like it's it's another thing that's like it's not going to make it unplayable. It's not going to totally gut the game, but it sucks that these are features that are available to people playing it now. And 10 years down the line, you can pick up a copy. Yeah, but it's not going to have all the features that it had at launch or for years. Yeah, that really sucks. That's the thing about this that like bothers me is the like, if you played this game 20 years from now and it's like a retro game. 
you're not going to actually enjoy all the benefits that a person who bought it at launch had. Um, and so that's, that's the thing I kind of, that I really gets under my skin. The other thing that gets under my skin is when games just like fucking disappear. Uh, for example, Marvel's Avengers, which is truly a game I do not care about. But I do care that it's just being like disappeared. I think that's so fucking weird. And it reminds me of like some of the show cancellations that like HBO Max, now known as Max, has had of like the show didn't just get canceled. Like they're not making a second season. It's being like digitally wiped and there is no physical copies of DVDs of some of these shows. Like a friend of mine from college uh, was a writer on the show Gordita Chronicles which is a, like, comedy about a girl from a Dominican family um, living in Miami, and she's a bigger girl and kind of navigating the world of, like, American social dynamics and, like, white-centric, Eurocentric beauty standards as an Afro-Latina. And, like, that show not only got canceled after the first season, which is, like, okay, the show's got canceled, but it got, like, fucking wiped. Um, And that's just, like, so ghoulish to me. Yeah. Yeah, uh I don't know. The uh the Avengers one is kind of it, like it's funny to me. It's it's not funny like you said. It's a bad thing. It is a it's a net negative when something like this happens. But this one is like this is a game that Square Enix hyped up for years. They put out their like teaser trailer for this game like years before it launched to capitalize on like MCU fever. By the time the game does launch, it's like into a period of like waning interest in these movies and it's trying to capitalize on like 2008 Avengers fever and it's just not hitting. And so like they did subsequent DLCs that I heard made the game a little more interesting and added more characters. The main thing I remember seeing about this game was people memeing on the fact that like Spider-Man in this game was so lame <laughs> to control compared to like Spider-Man in the Spider-Man yeah. games. And and then Square is just like, okay, we're delisting it from stores. That's so <laughs> like, bonkers. Like to it's me. not just that they're turning servers off. It's like you can't buy this game anymore. You can buy a physical copy, and then you can play like a version of this always online looter shooter that has like reduced functionality. But otherwise, like get fucked. You can't play this game. This is the one that people didn't like because you play as the little girl, right? Yes. I don't know if that is the main reason why people didn't like it, but people were definitely uh, hating on it because of uh, Kamala Khan, right? That's her is name? Is that like Captain Marvel? Yes. Yes. Captain or yes. Miss, one of the two of those. I'm not sure. Were they just being like not Islamophobic Larson. and like terrible about her identity or is it like a gameplay thing? Yeah, I think it was like, I want to be playing as Iron Man right now. And I'm playing as like a preteen girl. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, she's not. The, she's the not an eight-year hero, that, so like, I can I get it. The main thing I heard was that like the the game is largely from her point of view, which they didn't really oh, market weird. it as. It was marketed as like play as any of the Avengers, and like you definitely reach a point in that in that way. But like the game is framed around this character and it was not really marketed as such again because they wanted to capitalize on like 
MCU fever of like, yeah, oh my god, so miss, oh my god yeah, I, I understand. That's, that's something to get kind of pissed off over. Um, something to not get pissed off over are Animal Crossing Lego sets. Um, I know this is frivolous. I think this is coming out like three years too late. Also, like if they had come out with this in 2021, yes. adults would have been like punching <laughs> children in the face out in the aisles of Target yeah. to get to this. Um, but I love it. Mm. I love I love a good character Lego set. I wonder what it'll look like and what like the backgrounds will look like. So, um, yeah, I I I kind of want an Animal Crossing Lego set. Not gonna lie. I really hope that it's not just like generic beach scene with some trees and a couple minifigures. Like, like the the adult who is not the target audience of this in me wants like a little. Yeah, I want like the nooks cranny where you can like take parts off and add it on yeah. to make it like a more and more bougie nooks cranny. I want I want that so that I can put it on yeah, my bookshelf. That's that ideal. Very cute. That, that's yeah. listen to us, Nintendo. Um. Nith- Nathaniel, you're you're a Lego adult, aren't you? No, I wish that I was, but um, Legos, much like plants, had to go by the wayside when we got our first cat. Damn, that's true. I didn't think about that. What? I have two cats, and we have like three different Lego sculptures in this room. Nah, Rodney really fucks with Legos. My our our roommate at the last place we were at had the Birds of Paradise Lego mm. plant thing oh my god i've almost bought that one so many times she loved she loved oh. that thing especially so since she it, it has like it the over yeah hit chew. chew it's like there's also in that one there's like it's like in a pebble garden and so there's like loose legos at the bottom of it oh yeah like, yeah we have a we have a japanese cherry blossom one and it's like a kind of like a zen rake garden but it's just little tiny legos really gray and beige legos and Ash has knocked it over, spilling out all the loose Legos. It's uh, that I'll, I'll give you that. It is infuriating. My brothers love Legos, but I don't think they would be interested at all in this. But I think, like I've I've bought them little Lego sets, so like the the fifteen to thirty dollar Minecraft mm. ones, and I think those are super yeah. cool, and they've done really cool things with them. But also, there's like a million different ones, um, and so. You can say, like, on one hand, they've done cool shit with that, so they probably will with Animal Crossing, but they're probably also not going to make a million, because well, like you they, said, Tori, this is so mm-hmm. late. I know. Well, also, Th- your, like your brothers are, are prolific on the Lego Xbox 360 game. Exactly. They're Lego Dimensions. They're still racking up hours, yeah, on Lego Dimensions. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. This It's, just, it's like how they did the... Um, the switch lights that got the Animal Crossing sticker yeah. on the back, and like then they're three like, months ago, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but this is different because that I feel like that is clearly Nintendo being like, we need to push stock. We made too many light blue and pink switch lights, um, so we're about to get these boys out of here. Whereas like Lego is not doing that; they're just like, yep, we're selling it right now. They what they sh- they should be making like Pikmin Lego yeah. sets, yeah. That would be cute. Oh yeah, that would be sweet. That would require planning. I've also though, which is like just yeah. not something Nintendo does. I've True. also always wanted a Zelda Lego set of like Hyrule Castle or the Great Deku Tree. Mm. Like Zelda they has do some Mario Lego sets. Yeah, yeah. I've right. bought my my little cousin several Mario levels level but designs. yeah the mario ones aren't like 
Peach's castle build the whole thing. It's like the little game course thing, right? Yeah, you like build a level. Yeah, yeah it's because it's really cool. You gotta be Lego has to know that it's a surefire bet if they're about to release like a product with your name on it that costs five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Like n- Nintendo's just not pulling that toy weight like Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, that's true. My. Every time you go to a Lego store, there's like a gigantic Millennium Falcon that's like yeah three hundred dollars, sure and all like the dads in the store are staring at it, not the yeah. children. Yeah. yeah, there's like big ass Marvel Lego shit too. I think yeah, there's always hella there Marvel is, yeah. Lego shit. My thing is, uh, when when I helped my dad move a couple years ago, it was a similar thing of like just selling off a bunch of stuff that we didn't need anymore. And like one thing that helped us make some extra money while we were doing that was like selling off some smaller, older Lego sets that it was like, don't really care. Don't really need this. Probably never going to build it again, like selling some of those off. But I did hold on to some of the like vintage Star Wars Lego sets. So I think I have like two of them hanging out and it's like the first X-Wing that they ever made. And then like, the oh, first wow. snow speeder from the empire strikes back that they ever made and they're in like the vintage like 90s ass boxes like those i wanted to hang on to because they're really fucking cool that is really cool mm. speaking of switches hey yeah we already we already got partially there nathaniel this is why we had to have you here to talk about this let's go our, our switch to fortnite nba 2k correspondent um just, just some new lore about the Switch too, as as reported by VGC and Polygon. Um, Nintendo's president Shuntaro Furukawa said he he's been saying some like kind of vague things about the Switch too, but they're able to extrapolate like this much information out of him, which is that uh, he has basically said that. Nintendo will remain focused on the Switch until the end of the current fiscal year, which is March 2024. That lines up pretty well with like the direct we got, right? Where after like March, everything just kind of tapered yeah. off. Um, and so because of that, and also because of just the history of March, recent history of March launch dates, the kind of vibe is that uh the new console will probably come out like March of 2025 and that uh, they'll continue to make games for the Switch kind of like how the PS5 and PS4 have some overlap games they'll probably do that for at least the first couple years of the new Switch life cycle so that's that's just the vibe that this article is is putting down um, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of disappointed in a Switch 2 having to wait till 2025 for it. I really wanted it to be like this time next year. I think it will be this time next year. Oh, you you think so? Yeah, I don't think this article is like specifically saying that it won't come until March 2025. What is it? We We have like that they'll continue to support the Switch with new games. Through, through March 2025, March 2025 yeah. which to me says that the Switch 2 will have to come before Slightly that. Slightly before. Okay. And well. then I don't even believe that they'll stop that early because that's yeah. crazy early unless they're just like, look at the mess that uh, PlayStation and Xbox got themselves yeah. into because of COVID. And so if they're just like, maybe we're going to dump the Switch faster because we don't want to get yeah. fucked. 
but that's still crazy fast. Like even if it comes out in October of next year, like only releasing Switch games for five months yeah, after that really is, crazy. is like not a long time. Yeah, meanwhile Especially people if, are out here playing PS4s with like ninety yeah. percent of the PS5 catalog. Yeah. I watched a YouTube video recently where they were going through like every single major 3DS release that came out after the Switch mm-hmm. came out and it was going like through 2019. Yeah. And so I feel like, I don't know, I both think that we are going to get the Switch 2 before March 2025 and that we will continue to get Switch games well beyond. Yeah. What are the uh, Switch 2 YouTube content farmers saying? these days it's funny because i feel like this i mean this is like Furukawa saying it and so like that is the news Mm -hmm. here to me because i feel like a lot of this stuff like the rumors have to get really far along before the article the like major um media players will acknowledge them i feel like yeah Um, a lot of it is just vibes mm -hmm. yeah and so this stuff isn't new. And then I also feel like um, back to 3DS a little bit, I had seen online that I think the the Wii servers closed like th- over three years before the Switch came out. Um, and so uh, like people are wondering if that is like means anything with Switch 2 that the that the servers for the Wii U and 3DS are shutting down in April next year or if they just like pushed it pushed it and are like losing money on it to keep it for as long as they can to like buy time before the next console is out um so it's interesting it's hard to know also yeah that's pretty much all the news we have Do you want to get straight into what we've been playing and consuming, Noah, Nathaniel? I'm into it. Um, Nathaniel, you want to go first? You want me to? You got it. I got it. Uh, Sort of light game, sort of light game, sort of light week for games. It was uh, a lot of doing the same stuff I've been doing. I made it to the next boss battle that I'm stuck on in Final Fantasy X. Like, holy fuck, we've got to be nearing the end of this game. Like, it is... <laughs> oh my god. It's so... I f- it feels kind of um, punishing. And I know people have used that word repeatedly to describe, like, certain types mm-hmm. of games. <clears throat> Souls games. Um, But this game, it feels like you just, like, take two steps and you get punched in the face constantly yeah. by another, like, insane fucking boss yeah. fight that nobody asked the for. The tricky thing, too, is it's, like, I part of it feels like it's on me where it's like if i understood the sphere grid a little better maybe i like if i had done a little better planning on the sphere grid maybe i'd be a little better set up for success in this game but instead i like i got to a new boss i looked up the suggestions online and how to beat him and like i think i can brute force my way through but some of the suggestions were like suggesting that i use spells that i do not have on any of my characters (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, did mm-hmm. I just yeah. fuck up? They're like, use haste stega. Yes. And I'm like, bro, I don't even have that was hate. Exactly what I, I don't saw. even have yeah, hate. Yeah, it was like use haste haste ga, haste stega, the the extreme level of haste. And I'm like, Titus is the only one who has haste in my party. Like that shit's not happening. <laughs> so Yeah. I don't know. I do like I I'm uh, one thing yeah. I really like about this game though is that like uh through the character Riku, you get to use a lot of items to cast spells and get 
benefits and stuff that you would normally only have access to through your mage characters. So like that's kind of a cool change in the formula of like like there's always items in RPGs that do status effects and that like cast a spell, but like the the items don't feel like lesser versions of that when they're wielded by her in this game. And that's like a really neat little inversion there. Yeah. I like that she's the item girl. I also got uh, Sandara with her, mm-hmm. and she can cast a mean lightning spell. I was like, damn, girl, yeah. okay. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. I just got past the Steam War boss fight where he is like in a coffin and he has like a little extra body guy that mm-hmm. like he d- does cure yes. on him. And so I, what I did is I grinded until all of Yuna's aeons were at full overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just fucking like boom, 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 overdrive attacks. And I got him down to like 4,000 health. And then I just had her reflect. So whenever he casts a spell on her, it just reflected back Damn. to him. Yeah, I, I just got done grinding and doing the exact same thing of like, all right, I'm just going to get all the Aeons up to overdrive. And then I'm going to go back yeah. to this fight and just obliterate this dude. <laughs> I love doing that. I'm like, squat up. Um, um, I also do feel like I fucked up the sphere grid. Um, and that's possibly making my boss fight experience less pleasant. It's like a really, really neat um, thing in theory, but it is yeah. it is not... The The further I get in and the more that I see like how I could have done it better, it's not working for me as much, mm-hmm. you know? You know who I, I feel like I'm a month behind on the haste grid for is Kimari. Yeah. Like, I got him to the point where he can, he can blow himself up, and I was like, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, like, I'm with you. His his physical attacks suck, his magic. I'm getting him to the point where he's about to get like Thundara, Watara, mm-hmm. like the second level spell. So he'll be marginally more useful. But even his magic kind of sucks. Like that's what Lulu was no, for. So I'm just like, what is this guy's? It is interesting is? that just, like just to blow up, just to suffer. Earlier on in the game, it did feel like every character had like a very particular niche, which is funny because I think in a lot of times in RPGs, this is reversed, you know, where it's like every to every when you get a bunch of characters at the beginning of the game, they're all fairly similar. Typically, they all have like the basic attack and maybe a heal spell or a basic magic spell. But in this game, it was kind of the inversion. It was like you got these characters and every single one of them already had a niche like Orin was already doing 10 times more damage than anybody else was doing lulu already knew like a whole suite of spells but then as you flesh out their sphere grids the characters abilities kind of bleed into each other and it reaches a point where it's like well i've got like nobody can cast magic as strong as lulu but like i have other characters who can do elemental damage just as well so it's less necessary for me to be switching back and forth to her so it's it's an interesting change i guess i like that it feels different than a lot of these other games but i don't know yeah I still like the story. I am excited to finish yeah, I'm it. I'm with you. Um, but yeah, that's our Final Fantasy X update. Um, what else? I finished season two of The Bear. This is a good show. <gasps> this is a good show. Nathaniel, you got to get on Man. this one. It's a good show. Man, how did you feel about the Christmas episode? <sighs> oh my it was uh, the- <laughs> It was really interesting because like, I know we talked a little bit on this show before, Nathaniel, we were saying that like this is such an anxiety inducing show and you were saying that like yeah. your girlfriend said that it's less anxiety inducing than Succession, which is like 
having not watched Succession, that's insane to me that there can be a show. That makes me not want to watch Succession. The first season of this show, or were you going to say something? Yeah, she just said it was her light watch, and uh, Succession was her heavy watch. <laughs> that's crazy, because this was our like heavy, heavy, heavy watch. Um, the f- The first season was very like, ah, oh my god, so much tension, everything is blowing up right now. Where And th- it was that kind of anxiety, where it was like you walk into a burning building. The anxiety of the second season was yeah. like... Just like journalists. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> The anxiety of the second season was like you walk into a building and there's a bomb in there and the bomb is going to blow up in six months and you have to do your best to try and defuse the bomb. And it was it was a slower burn anxiety, which like it, it really it felt a lot different and it gave the show the opportunity to like flesh out characters that you didn't expect to get fleshed out and to like really have like peaks and valleys in terms of how like crazy insane off the wall anxiety inducing it was as compared to the first season which was just like full fucking throttle the entire time so i really enjoyed it i imagine it's probably going to get a third season frankly i'd be okay if it just ends where it did it where i don't really want to go too deep into it because like i know nathaniel might watch it at some point so like I like that it ended with like certain characters on top of the world and certain characters feeling like broken as fuck. And I kind of just, I'd be a happy camper if it just stayed there. And certain characters not knowing that their mom is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Them too. Them too. Yeah. That was pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah that, that part was fucked up. Um, what did you think? I have two questions. What did you think about like the rise of sugar as like a leader? Love it. And like a force of nature. I Excellent love character. sugar. I love a character who has a dysfunctional relationship with their mother who comes into their own as a, as a leader and as a character. I love it. Great stuff. The other thing I want your opinion on is, is her name Claire? Mm. It's, it's Carby's yeah. manic pixie dream doctor yes. girlfriend. What do you think? Do you think it's just like a nice girl for Carby to date? Yeah. That I I just kind of felt like okay. I really liked her. Yeah, I liked kind of felt more backstory on her, but I guess not everyone has to have a tragic one piece. That's backstory. the thing. Yeah, I I'm all for like just a show where a character like has a significant other who's like it's kind of the same thing with like Sugar's husband. Like he's just like some guy, and like yeah, he's just he's a kind guy. of a That's goofball. True. He's just some guy, and like sometimes shows just have to have people who are just some guy, and I love that. You know, it's great. Actually, One Piece is a really good anime to compare the bear to. <laughs> I love. I'm loving this journey of you getting like successively more One Piece pilled. <laughs> well, I was joking last time that like Mad Men is a shonen. I'm like, mm-hmm. actually, no, the bear is a shonen. Hmm. Yeah. Be the best chef in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to be the king of the chefs. Um, literally Sanji. Literally Sanji arc. Um, I've got a few more things to blow through. Um. I read a graphic novel this week. It was a graphic novel called Where Black Stars Ride by an author, Nadia Shamas. Shamas. She's a Palestinian-American writer who also does writing in other comics, and she's a writer with Outer Loop Games, who Ben from Origin Story, or not Ben, Phil from Origin Story, who we had on not too long ago with the show as a guest, is uh, also working at. So neat stuff. The the art was really incredible. This was like this kind of eldritch, spooky, horror-ish thing about a burgeoning 
therapist and a her first real patient who is a schizophrenic woman and it was it was like two kinds of terror of like one person the, the, the one person is going through this mental health crisis but maybe it's like an eldritch monster and the other person is she really wants to help and she wants to be like the best therapist she can be but is she doing it to actually help people or is she doing it because she needs to feel some kind of way about herself and like as somebody who struggles with some mental health issues like some of it really hit and the art was really dope like i really enjoyed it it was a very quick read that i was able to like breeze through in an evening um i'm just graphic novel pilled i don't know i really love graphic novels and after i finished that i went to the library and i checked out a book called landscapes by christine lie this one just 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 came out and the i guess another origin story mentioned those guys just had the author on the show to interview her about like her creative process and stuff this book is about it's like near future so it's uh just a little further along the climate crisis than we are currently at right now and it follows a woman who is like the caretaker for this old english manor think like a think like a jane austen style like fancy house where they throw parties and shit but it's like decaying and falling apart and they have like a ro- the the previous owners over the years had like a robust art collection and they have to they're selling the house they have to get rid of it the there's the impending fear of like worsening climate crisis in the background of all of this so what she's trying to do is archive all of the pieces of art that are there and so it's told in this like epistolary format of like her filling out a diary but then it'll have like little sections breaking it up that are like describing a piece of art or describing an object that's part of the collection and it's it's a really neat format i'm literally only like 10 pages in but like it just has a very it feels very special and it feels very like I'm really interested in books that are really in touch with other art mediums and like recognizing that there are there are other ways to tell stories than just like a traditional novel format. So like this book is really entwined with visual art in a really interesting way. So I'm super interested to keep reading this. Last thing I think is worth shouting out is like this is about as uh, tangential to playing anything as I can possibly get, but nathaniel last week when we were closing up the show we were both like find us on twitter baby it sucks but we're hanging out there we're posting (laughs) i think this past week from when we're recording this has possibly been the worst on like post musk purchase twitter for me to a point that it has legitimately turned me off from wanting to use it okay in a way that i had not gotten yet because you we because you missed yeah, Diane Feinstein so But much. we've been saying this since literally this time last year. But like what what about this week? What about this week? Yeah, I also for very me, much need to know. So like for a very long time the beauty of Twitter it, for me was like so many other social media platforms which was that like I've been able to build my own experience. So like I never understood the people who would like constantly shit on Tumblr or constantly shit on Reddit because like sure there are like cringe communities and like toxic communities but like you can generally craft your own experience based on who you follow and who you associate with to have like 
your own version, your own echo chamber in a way. Like you're creating a space that is one surrounded by people you actually want to like see. And that's how Twitter was for me for a very long time. Like I I followed a lot of media people and I followed a lot of artists and I followed a lot of like games people. And it was like a really cool way to see what people were working on and to keep up with the news and like see funny shit that I enjoyed seeing. But honestly, this past week and these past couple days alone, um, shit, I had, I had a tab open about it. Let me pull it back up. Just within the past couple of days, this was like, from when we're recording this, like within the last 24 hours, there was a young activist in New York. His name was Brian Carson. Oh God. Brian? I know. Are you talking about the stabbing you know what I'm talking victim? About? Um, yes. Fuck. This was name. fucking yeah. horrendous. I'm trying to see if I can, I want to make sure I have Ryan Carson. There we go. Yeah. The, his, his young activist in New York, his name's Ryan Carson and he was stabbed by a random dude, just like a random act of violence in Bed-Stuy. And the way the comment algorithm is set up now on Twitter, where it automatically surfaces all the blue checks above everybody else, and even the non-blue checks and the non-absolute fucking ghouls feel the need to engage with people who are just putting forth the worst faith shit imaginable it like i was unable to scroll my feed without seeing people celebrating this guy getting stabbed because he was an advocate for like uh like safe places for people to use drugs to wean off of them and like left-wing political policy and because of that people were celebrating his stabbing and it, it it's that that to me was like and since most since all this shit is like not a bannable offense on this website anymore and just like pure hate speech is yeah. totally cool no i saw it's some not horrific like, shit about like like people were trying to at his girlfriend because his girlfriend is on the platform mm-hmm. uh just like i i the fact that i actually saw i didn't just see the tweet celebrating it I actually saw it repeatedly yeah. on my feed. I was just like repeatedly exposed to a snuff film anytime I tried to log on yesterday. And, and uh, same thing with like, yeah, that's like not a pleasant the, experience. No, not at all. And that's the shit. It's incentivized. It, yeah, it's, because it's, it's upsetting. Been- and upsetting content gets engagement. And Twitter has always been like that, you know, That's like true. it has always been built to be a platform where you get mad at stuff and the stuff you get mad at keeps you on the platform longer. Therefore, it's it's built to kind of like keep you frustrated. That's why there's like a main character on Twitter is like you're, you're meant to get pissed at some guy so that you keep logging on and posting and shit. But like since since the since hate speech is practically all but encouraged on that website now it is like it is beyond like a guy posts a fucked up story about how he wants his child to learn how to open a can of beans it's, it's like man we're gonna post times. literally snuff films and then celebrating people getting killed yeah nathaniel it- you look like you want to comment no Did i didn't not? see any of this on my twitter 
No, I just looked this up um, because I had not heard of any of this or seen this on I'm my timeline. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. I'm happy. Good for you. Um, I don't know. And same thing with like, since I also run the Twitter account for the newspaper that I work for, and let me tell you, I have scaled that back big time ever since they like obliterated TweetDeck. Like, it's pointless for me to try and use TweetDeck. It's very annoying. We don't get near enough engagement on Twitter, so I don't post near as regularly as I used to. But like, um, I'll get po- like push notifications sometimes from Twitter that are like, "Here's a post that we think you should want to look at." Oh, I fucking hate those. Is- but since it's since it's a newspaper, since it's an outlet, since we're only ever posting just like text in a story, not really engaging with people, I get like normie stuff. I get stuff that like I imagine is being recommended to like users who don't really engage with the platform a whole lot. And it's literally always like Tim Pool or like uh recommendations of videos of somebody commenting on Tucker Carlson. But they're like, Isn't this awesome? Or like I got one the other day where somebody was like Joe Biden announced that he's gonna like come to your house and make you get the next COVID vaccine shot. And it was like clearly meant to be parody. And everybody in the top of the comments with all the blue checks were like, oh man, I hope this isn't real. <laughs> and it's wow. What? It has just created such a horrific atmosphere. And it's like, I'm not saying that like it's I'm, become what's leave it. Yeah, it kind of has in a way. And it's, I don't know. It's just that that whole thing that whole that whole succession of events just like really 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 soured me and i know that like i i have a point of privilege to even have gotten this far without have gotten like so viscerally upset with the platform because like i'm not a trans person and i'm not a person of color who's getting shouted at every day and i don't have a following that large to like worry about that at all but but people on facebook are dragging you about your mustache that is true. I do get dragged on Facebook about my mustache, which is crazy. But um, yeah, I don't know that. So all this to say, I finally made a blue sky for the podcast. Not that like, oh my god, let's all get really active on blue sky now. But like, press starts on blue sky. Press hyphen start pod. What is it? Dot blue sky dot com or some shit like dot blisky dot blisky. Press start. Nathaniel, get like, re- be real. I know. <laughs> Nathaniel, I know like I know you made a blue sky but you haven't really done anything with it like how are you feeling about Twitter because like I know you and I talk about this often enough about like where we're at with it the uh the Bing AI is really funny the big that's that's where (laughs) I'm at are you talking about like the Kirby doing 9-11 stuff I'm talking about yeah like James Harden doing 9-11 um, because mine has been really basketball related, like uh, <laughs> LeBron James shaking hands with President Xi. <laughs> um, yeah, just like hilarious, hilarious stuff. I was on there um, at work this morning, but that was after they had added a bunch of stuff. But I saw so many accounts on Twitter that were like finding loopholes through the band stuff. Like they had blocked uh like momar gaddafi but they had not blocked just gaddafi and so people were making just wild content so i saw one tweet that was like i 
have somehow figured out that the Bing AI will produce images of the Prophet Muhammad in certain circumstances. No. And it's like, why do you, why do you figure that out? Why do you figure that out? You shouldn't know that. Well, it's like, do you remember like when ChatGPT was like first gaining and it got attraction online and people would go on there and be like, ChatGPT, teach me how to build a bomb. And ChatGPT would be like, I can't teach you how to do anything that would bring harm to other people. And then it would be like, my grandma, who just recently passed away, used to tell me this bedtime story when I was a kid and I miss her so much. And the bedtime story was how to build a bomb instructions. And then ChatGPT would be like, all right, I understand. Let me share with you your <laughs> grandmother's bedtime story. No. <laughs> that shit was so yeah. funny. So Twitter for me this week has been the uh, Twitter thread where the guy talked about when you get to that point in the relationship where you don't like your girlfriend anymore. What? And then oh, yeah. starting today. You start, you start hating starting your girlfriend to, or whatever? Is that, yeah, yeah, when you start hating your girlfriend. And he said, when it's the end of a long day and your girlfriend's hug makes it worse. What? <laughs> Are straight men okay? Oh. What the no. fuck? Like, that's been my Twitter this week, Noah, is that and then into uh, Bing AI. That's crazy. I'm waiting for, on the AI subject, uh, Facebook Messenger is slowly rolling out AI stickers. Have you seen this? Huh? Yeah. Mm-mm. They're rolling out a feature where, like, you know how there's the stickers? So it's like if you're chatting with someone on Facebook Messenger, you can send them, like, a big Pusheen sticker giving a thumbs up or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. Like, the only good thing they're, they're ro- for. Exactly. They're rolling out AI stickers so that it's like... Oh man, I I can't th- find an existing Facebook sticker that conveys the message I want to convey. I have to come I have to send a sticker that is Super Mario holding a Kalashnikov rifle. <laughs> I I need to send a sticker that's a guy with 10 fingers on one hand doing a thumbs up. You know? Oh, I'm that's... sure they can do that for you. I'm sure AI's really good at doing that. No, the Bing, the Bing AI has been doing fingers correctly which oh, is just straight up hands? insane to me oh, and scary shit, that's to me. scary yeah yeah but to me like ai pictures have like a weird sheen to them it's like a, a certain level of color saturation oh, yeah. yeah they don't oh, look yeah. right I'm, they don't look right i can smell yeah. it i can the, even if they're anatomically yeah, the pic- correct i can smell it the picture i saw earlier of uh dr martin luther king jr and tupac <laughs> Okay. Um, rolling dice had that had that uh, certain look where I knew it wasn't real. But you're like that picture. I, M- that picture I MLK. saw of LeBron whispering in George Bush's ear the second plane yeah. was hit, and that can't yeah. be real. No, I was just making pictures of um, LeBron James smoking a cigarette on the court during the basketball game because I thought that was so funny. Yeah, that's that's morning. a good one actually. <laughs> I wish that really happened. Um, another. Social media thing I want to raise, Noah. Yes. And to you, Nathaniel, because like we're all journalists here, is the thing they added like today where when you link an article, the headline doesn't show up, but like the picture does. Can we talk about it? That one of, can I go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. One of my biggest pet peeves throughout the history of my time on Twitter is when people would tweet an article and their tweet would be the name of the article and then the, the uh, link would also have the name. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was just in favor of people tweeting articles and either sharing their thoughts or just blankly posting them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not really seen anything negative so far 
with this new Twitter feature because the stuff that I keep seeing is like um, Elon Musk found dead of apparent suicide. And then it's like the article about how he pulled headlines. And yeah. then you'll see the blue checks in the replies like, oh, my God, no. And like there were Rick real King. people. On, yeah. Yeah. There were real people in real bots on Twitter today that were like, oh, my God, I cannot believe Elon Musk killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I think- thinking because like, Noah, you mm-hmm. run a newspaper Twitter account. Not super actively, but I'm just wondering, like, we're it's pretty easy for us to get around that because, like, um, one of the ways that we post articles on social media is just like copy paste the lead as long as the lead is like uh, understandable to figure out like what the like you would never I don't think you would want to copy paste like an anecdotal lead where the person reading it is like what's going to happen next like without the headline that wouldn't make any sense but like in general like an article's lead kind of gets you because that's what it's designed to do is to get the reader interested so that kind of stuff is less of a problem I mean for me the thing with it is it's like since I really liked using Twitter as a news feed it has now just like made it one tick more difficult to do that which is again just like one of the main reasons i was using it and now one of the main reasons i was using it is now just like a little more inconvenient so it's like uh, i don't know so to me it trips me up because i'm dumb and i'll just be scrolling past like articles not articles i'll just be scrolling past tweets i'm like why is there a picture of biden here why is there a picture of a basketball court here why why a person tweet the random tweet and a picture and then I'm like, oh, shit, that picture is actually an article. So I wonder, like, if people are going to be clicking on things less because of that. I'm just I'm very curious about what the traffic on new sites is, is going to be affected by as a result of this change. Besides it just being weird or annoying. Like, Yeah. Yeah, there was a little while where I was like, why do people keep tweeting the same picture of Elon Musk with Esquire.com watermarked at the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like my understanding, and obviously I don't have like numbers to back this up, but like anecdotally, I had always heard that like links bouncing off of Twitter historically did bad because people, as a, a, a in, in some total, did not come to Twitter to leave Twitter to read something else. Maybe you would go to like Facebook to do that, but like you weren't coming to Twitter in general to click on links to other things. You were coming to Twitter to scroll down your feed and like see posts and like them and move on. So like I I imagine that all it's going to do is hurt that even more, you know? Like it was already not a particularly popular thing and now it's just going to make engagement with them that much more difficult. But it does kind of point to, like, just the the naked goal of it, which is, like, dissuade news organizations from posting news so that it becomes an even more unfettered playground for misinformation and then continue to just allow said misinformation to get pushed to the top of everyone's feeds and comment lists to the point where nobody knows what the fuck is real and, yes, they're going to give you $8, absolutely, so... I don't know. That, in a way, I guess, is all for me. Unless you guys want to keep talking about Twitter. No. I can just quickly no. go through what I've been playing. We just talked about Final Fantasy X, so that's about it for me in terms of playing games. Um, I have been also reluctantly stepping back into a book era like you have, Noah. 
I've just been feeling, yeah, because like I, I want to read and then I'll read 50 pages of a book and then I'll put it down and then I won't actually, I've just been like in situationships with like three different books. Um, Me playing video games. That's true. Tori, finish a book challenge. Finish a fucking video game challenge, Nathaniel. Um, but I am. I, I am more than halfway through a book called Touched Out by Amanda Monte or Monte. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But it's a essay, like memoir slash like cultural analysis book about like motherhood and gender and bodily autonomy. And it talks about how like her and her husband, who are both very like socially aware and progressive people were basically pigeonholed into traditional gender roles because of things like the cost of childcare and uh, just the, the structure of the nuclear family and things like that. And how she at like the current job she was at, wasn't able to make enough money to cover daycare. So she defaulted into staying, being a stay at home mom and what she felt unfulfilled and like lost her identity um, and was constantly feeling like her body wasn't hers because she was in the process of like postpartum changes and breastfeeding when you have your body has to be on demand for an infant literally like once every two hours, especially as a newborn. And just like she channeled like her angst and her feelings about the heterosexual nuclear family and why it works for everyone except mothers um, into a, this book. And it's, it's a good it's a good book. It's very thoughtful. Um and I just, I just love to look. I love to read a, a sociology book, man. I just, I just like to read a sociology book, and makes me think. Makes me feel like I'm in college again. I felt a little bit like assigned reading, and uh, I've just been craving that. I don't know. So yeah, that. And then I watched a true crime series on Netflix called "Who Killed Jill Dando." Uh, which is about a very prominent British newscaster in the late 90s who was murdered, like, in daylight outside of her home, and they never figured out who did it, which is fucking crazy. That's like if someone on, like, Good Morning America got stabbed outside their house in broad daylight and no one ever figured it out. And it's just a a mix of, like, severely contaminated crime scene the police releasing the sketch and like uh, suspect details too quickly to the public and getting flooded by spam calls, um, just like and it's just wild. It's really wild how a person that high profile, how their murder could be unsolved after like literally twenty four years. Um, so it's a good show, and it's got me thinking more about how like. I feel like the most gripping true crime revolves around the incompetence of the system. Like, Amanda Knox's entire story is about the incompetence and corruption of the Italian legal and criminal justice system. Like, that's why her story is so iconic and frustrating. Um, And that's kind of... Like it's it's kind of similar to the points you guys made about Twitter, where you talked about how like people being pissed at stuff drives engagement. And I feel like we've seen so much, especially with like since TikTok got bigger, of people being like, I'm into true crime, so I need to go out in the world and solve crime. I need to go solve mysteries. And people who like 
I don't know. There's like, to me, there's like a really non-existent line between like people who take being a true crime fan too far and try to solve mysteries. And then like the white people who beat up brown people at Target because they caught them shoplifting and want to play cop. It's just like, like, I don't know. I don't know. People be out there. People be sleuthing. Yeah, Yeah. I interact with this genre, but it's like privately. I feel like I feel like uh, a little dirty when I watch these shows. But I just watch them because I'm like, I want to know if they solve it. I want to. I want this person to get justice, which I guess is the most pure way to consume true crime. But I I stay far away from true crime subreddits because they're like solving or thinking they're solving fucking like Gabby Petito's murder, and I'm just like, y'all. Yeah, Stop. that was yeah, the girl I who remember, like, went missing in the state park or something, right? Okay, yeah. I remember like when true crime was blowing up last decade, and I like sort of got into it when when lots of other people did, and I just like f- it made me feel so queasy, like from the beginning. And then it wasn't that long into it where like I started hearing people say stuff like "true crime is racist," and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's why it's making me feel queasy." And so I just like I don't know things are probably yeah. different. Well, now definitely than the they focus were, like, on like white women as victims. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Speaking of good true crime, though, like good non-problematic true crime, Stolen, which is a podcast by Gimlet, yeah. really fucking good. They did one about indigenous uh, boarding schools in Canada. Oh wow! And the abuses that happened there. The host, her father, went to a boarding school. And, like, the ripple effects of the trauma of those boarding schools, like, ripple across her entire family. Uh, yeah, what are the, what is the name for those schools? I can't remember it, because it was, like, a turning Native kids into... Canadians, like, yeah. Canadian. Yeah, they yeah. would, like, separate them from their families, cut the boys' long hair off, make them Catholic, make them speak French. Yeah, but also like beat the shit out of them for speaking their native language yes. and put them in solitary yeah. and not feed them. Lots of sex and, abuse. And sexual yeah. assault them. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh, so a lot of those schools are named after saints because they're like Jesuit schools. And so the school mentioned in the podcast uh stolen is called Saint Michael's. Um, uh, but yeah, that's good true crime in my opinion, because that's like they're actually investigating like systemic abuses. And, like, centering the voices of the people who are affected, or, or if they're not alive anymore, the families of the people affected. And it's not just a, like, crazy, like, ooh, this white girl got her head cut off. Like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Um, yeah, both of the first two seasons of Stolen are really good. That's See, that's much more interesting to me, because I think you have to have a willingness, if you're going to do that kind of thing, you have to have a willingness to engage with the systems that led to X, Y, or Z thing. And if if all you're going to do is go like, we have to figure out where they went missing and dig around in someone's personal life and talk to people that they knew and that kind of thing, like that is much, much, much less interesting to me than like engaging with really, really screwed up infrastructures and systems that led to fucked up things. So hmm. I'm going to check that podcast out. Yeah, the the latest season called Surviving St. Michael's, I really highly recommend. Um, also, another good true crime is The Retrievals, which is Serial's podcast, and it is about a fertility clinic in which women were going to 
basically get pregnant, get IVF. And um, one of the procedures they have to go under is very, very painful. So painful that they actually receive fentanyl before the procedure. And what happened was that the nurse administering the fentanyl to all of these women for years was actually addicted to fentanyl and she was using and then filling up the syringes with saline solutions. So all these women were like in horrific pain, but being gaslit and being told that they were already given fentanyl. That is a crazy podcast. That is an amazing podcast. It is so good. Um, again, an example of true crime that focuses on the people affected and not in like a weird sadistic way. And they also have like the perspective of the nurse who was addicted to fentanyl. And, like, a broader narrative about, like, the opioid crisis and, like, how so many Americans are being failed by our current systems of addiction treatment. Um, yeah. On a true crime kick lately. That's that's all for me. Yeah, I apologize to the listeners that my, uh, what am I playing right now is not going to take an immensely dark turn like both of yours did. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but... I'm playing Pikmin 4, I'm playing Fortnite, I'm playing 2K. I'm uh, slowly making my way through Ocarina of Time 3D. Um, Where are you I can... in Ocarina? So, 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 really. Because I'm trying to play it at work. I'm bringing my 3DS That's to work. That's not a play-at-work game. Pikmin 4 is a play-at-work game. That's true. Nothing is a play-at-work game at my job, even though I feel like it should be, because I get to work two and a half hours before the next person mm. does but still i just feel like that's the two and a half hours where i have to do work yeah you're actually working at work unfortunately <laughs> yeah i saw uh, there are a couple tiktoks i saw that are so funny and the first one was a guy and he's like when you get so bored at work that you decide to start doing your job <laughs> it's so real but then Stop. <laughs> but then there was another one and it was like when you get so bored at work that you decide to eat lunch at 9.30. And that's so Buddy. fucking funny to me. Like 30 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> and there was the sound that's like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's do it. Fuck it. Let's do it. You got nothing better to do than just eat lunch. <laughs> no, 30 minutes I actually in. remember there was a boy in my second grade class who'd get in trouble sometimes because he would take his lunch out of the cubby hole and eat it at like 9 in the morning while we're just doing like fucking multiplication tables. He'd just eat his whole ham and cheese. <laughs> that's and the teacher is like, you can't be doing that. That guy is definitely in jail now. I'm just saying like that's that's not productive citizen behavior. That's I so just funny. also know that that the guy that's eating his lunch at nine thirty a.m. is not getting to work on time. No, so that's the first. That's no, he's he's arriving he's to work at nine thirty with the sandwich already in his mouth. Like, yes. yeah. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I need to sit down and play Ocarina of Time, and take it seriously. Um, what else? I bought Luigi's Mansion One, so Luigi's Mansion twenty eighteen on eBay for the three DS. Um, speaking of eBay purchases from earlier, um, yeah, I'm excited for that to come. That's one that I am sure is going to come to Switch, even though they haven't announced it. But why would they do the remaster of two if one is not also going to come? And so it'll be like the the real remaster for two, and then they'll like reskin one. It'll be like the the Pikmin one plus two, and not the not the Metroid Prime remastered, you know. Um, okay. I, I bought one Mitski ticket because that's all that I could Just get. Just one. 
So your girlfriend can't I couldn't get any, so. One. Okay, I remember after the last Mitski album came out, and I was waiting, waiting, waiting in line and waiting in the queue. And then I got in and I couldn't get a ticket. And I mm-hmm. was like, do I spend $400 for me and my girlfriend to drive from Gainesville to Atlanta to see Mitski? And I was yeah. like, no, that's ridiculous. I'm in school. But now I'm like, um, I couldn't get two, right? And so I was like, I'm just going to buy one and try to get another one because there were a bunch of single tickets and there were no double. But after it wouldn't let me like put two in the cart and buy them. It was like, you have to buy one, and then we're kicking you out of the whole system, so you have to get back in the back of the line after, if you want. And so I was like, okay, I can only get one. Damn. Um, but my friend at work, Sophie, told me that getting one ticket is worse than if I just bought zero. It is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Because now you have to go buy your... It's a seated show, right? Because that's how the one in Orlando was. Yeah, yeah. It is. We just ain't sitting together. We just got to get a resale ticket. Yep. And uh, we ain't sitting together. That's what I'm going to like tomorrow is going to be my third day in a row of being in the news meeting at 10 a.m. when the Mitski tickets go up at 10 a.m. Because they did hold some for general release. So if you get in line super duper early tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, maybe you could get some Noah. Um, I'm going to try to. But it's going to be my third news meeting in a row where at the very beginning of the news meeting, I'm focused on Mitski tickets uh-huh. when like I'm the person who has to talk first in every single news meeting because <laughs> I work in the morning. Um, yeah, in my yeah, case. So tickets. Maybe it's because... I was we- trying to... Mm. Sorry. No, go ahead, Tori. Maybe it's because we saw Mitski for free back in college at a shitty club yeah. that was behind an olive garden in Tallahassee, Florida. Yo, the movie I didn't rules. go to that. But... It was a good show. Paying two hundred dollars for Mitski tickets, which is how much they're costing in Durham, North Carolina. Really, it hurts. I, p- I paid See, like that's eighty nine. Hurts for oh a God. two for like a balcony ticket that's all the way on the fucking the side. The balcony like, tickets in Durham are costing like one seventy. Well, this wasn't. This was retail, like not resale. Um, but I think like the one hundred level tickets in Boston, which is where I'm looking were the 100 level tickets were 65 and the balcony tickets were 85 yeah it's like what the fuck god um in in orlando i was trying to get tickets and it was like pre-sale was supposed to open this morning at 10 a.m but i guess pre-pre-sale opened yesterday and they just sold out completely Mm -hmm. So I, I sold out of all the pre-sale tickets. Yeah, true. So I need yeah. to wait until like GA opens up. But I like Tomorrow. I got to their website today, and I was like, "Oh boy, time to grab Mitski tickets." And it was I did just the like, same we're thing. Sold out. <laughs> I did the same thing. I did it at both 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. That's crazy because it let me. Which I don't know why it let me get in line if there's nothing. Exactly. Yeah. T- Ticketmaster is fucked. Yeah. I was see. I was going to buy directly from the Doctor Phillips Center's website, which they mm. might not have actually held any tickets for GA. It says they are fully sold out. So uh, yeah, I might not cooked. be seeing Mitski on this tour, unfortunately. Yeah, Mitski doubled her amount of shows in Boston, and still I just could not get one more ticket. That sucks. I have a tweet in my drafts now that says, um, "If me and my girlfriend ever break up, I'll be known on here as the guy who only bought one Mitski ticket." <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, let me know. Let me know if you want me to fire that one off, and That's if you would uh, give it a like. I'm gonna email. Him. I'm gonna ask Jesse if he wants to see Mitski with me because we saw Paramore together and had a good time. But I, 
I don't know if Miski is just a little... After you just said the tickets are 200 bucks and you don't want to pay for it. <laughs> well, oh. I don't... Now it's different. If you can get another person involved, then it's like... Then yeah, it's then, then I'm like, well... He, yeah, now then, it's an event. Yeah, yeah. yeah, now it's an event. If he says no, I'll be like, okay, no. All right, do you want... I'm texting, Sorry, he's, playing, he's playing Remnant yeah. 2 right now. Do you want to okay. play? play? Do you want to go see Mitski with me? All right. I, I discorded him. He's downstairs. Let's go. Um, yeah, and then the, the last thing on here is a podcast that I listened to today that I saw on Reddit. It is called, I got to find it because I pulled up the podcast, not the episode. It is called Who's Afraid of Aisha Roscoe? And it is on the Lexicon Valley podcast, which is from Booksmart Studios. And Noah will link it so it'll be easier to find than looking up my words. Mm -hmm. Um, For those who don't know, Aisha Roscoe is the host of Weekend Edition on NPR uh, which is Saturdays and Sundays. She does Sundays, I think. I think so. Um, yeah, she does sure. like yeah. some Sunday up first episodes as well. Yeah. And then um, she'll be featured sometimes too on Morning Edition or All Things Considered, whether they like keep a keep a feature and run it. Um, and so it's a, it's a quick listen. I think it's like 30, 31 minutes. And the whole premise is um, it's like a vernacular and language podcast. And so um, the dude just like digs into that stuff. And um, the premise is like Aisha Roscoe gets so much hate, like probably more hate than anyone who exists um, in public radio, like regionally or nationally. And it's because she's like black. And so people describe her as loud and shrill. Yeah. And people are like, am I racist because I hate Aisha Roscoe's voice? Um, and, and like the, the <laughs> yeah, the guy running the podcast said that he made this episode because he's gotten that question so many times Yeah, where people yeah. are like, am I racist because I fucking hate Aisha Roscoe and want her to be dead? Yeah. Um, and so it's super interesting. <laughs> and Christ. he, he starts off like on a small level talking about her and talking about NPR and he kind of just like broadens it and broadens it and broadens it through this yeah. like half hour where he's just flying through shit where we are starting with weekend edition and we're ending with like little clips of Stephen A. Smith and the Fugees. And we're talking about like black American vernacular and where it is access- acceptable and where it is not and who um, we are okay with it coming from and who we are not okay with it coming from. And yeah. so um, questions and like discussions about black voices in public radio and um, like media at large and language and um, like discussions about like featuring black voices, which I think is, is really cool and like an important distinction to make Mm -hmm. because not just like black people exist inside of NPR, but more as like, this is a, um, a person who obviously NPR thinks of as like a rising star. Yeah. And so like, what, what does it mean when like she's hated? I thought it was really interesting because I I listened to the podcast and you linked it to us too. And especially given the, the kind of fraught history that NPR has had with people of color, specifically like black hosts getting, getting really far and then leaving and going to somewhere else because they just, Sam Sanders, a lot of, 
yeah, Sam Sanders, Noel King, like all these people who like God, got Noel really King. high up on the food chain at NPR and then dipped somewhere else where mm-hmm. they would have a little more freedom and a little more room to grow. So like I, I and thought are it was- respected more yeah exactly and so like i I think it's true like yeah she holds like a really prestigious spot in the hosting lineup and it is crazy that people react the way they do because like i saw her name and i was like yeah i know aisha roscoe and then he played a clip of her voice and i was like yeah i know aisha roscoe and then he was like also people fucking hate her and i was like i have literally never never even like batted an eye (laughs) like i don't know what people are doing Yeah, I knew about the hate from, I'm in the NPR subreddit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people don't fuck with her. And then also I will see- NPR subreddit sounds like a terrible terrible place to be, I gotta say. Yeah. But I'll also like see people writing into the station I work at, Vermont Public, Mm -hmm. and being like, I don't want to listen to Weekend Edition anymore because I hate Aisha Roscoe. Damn. You guys run today explained, right? Um, I don't know. In the know. afternoons, I believe you do. I was just curious. I don't know. <laughs> but Aisha Roscoe is coming to my job <gasps> next week. That's cool. I don't know if she's stopping mm. in. I know I know in February um 1A is implanting at Vermont Public what? and Jen White is going to be like in the newsroom for days. Oh, that's so They're going to so do cool. the show. They're going to do the show out of our studio. And so that's in February. But this is just like uh, a, there is a donor event and then a like a GA event where um, Aisha is going to be like on a panel and interviewed by um, some some Vermont public hosts. And so that's happening next week. And I don't know if she's going to stop by the station. And I was like, not sure about whether or not I wanted to go to this thing because it, I think it's from like 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on a wednesday which when you wake up at 4 a.m is too late but i feel like now i have to go i want to i want to meet this person yeah it sounds really cool damn yeah and so i also think that tomorrow i have to share this podcast in the uh the general slack channel that everyone at vermont public is in so i can be like all y'all listen to this yeah they started um we have like our DEI person who is, she's like a reporter at Vermont Public and she has her own podcast, but she also works in people and culture as oh, that's well. Cool. And so she started a Slack channel that is only for the people of color at Vermont Public. <laughs> all and two we're of all you. in there. We're all in there. It's like that's nine right. of us, I think. But out of like, I don't know, 200 employees, 150 plus employees. Wow. Um, so there's like, single digits of us i think and we're gonna we're gonna go get a drink next week the nice. the podcast i'm mean, not podcast the slack channel is called bipoc affinity and it's spelled t-e-a I love that. <laughs> that's cute that's yeah really cute. i was i was part of a hispanic and latine uh like erg kind of group at vox and it was great we were swapping the coquito recipes oh that's cool. and like it was such a vibe in there man and yeah there was like 20 of us but i think if we made a latina and latinx group at vermont public it would be me <laughs> just you <laughs> shouting into the void yeah it What's would just up, be me yeah it would just be me not knowing um how to speak spanish Oh yeah, and those Savo kids. I never asked. I can't believe I ever asked this. Happy Happy Hispanic Heritage Month. What flavor, like what country is your family, like is your Latino heritage from? I've never asked you this. 
my dad is Puerto Rican. Facts. And my mom is white, and she raised me. Yeah. That, yeah. Your mom is a very nice lady, too. She is. Well, you know, you come for the video hey, game Hey, we news. could take the dark turn. Do you want to take the dark no. turn? I was no. waiting for it. <laughs> no, I'm good. Come for the video game news. Stay for the extensive conversation about National Public Radio. That's the press start promise, baby. <laughs> yeah. Or, or about how terrible Twitter is. We went on a lot of rabbit holes. I love how That's today, good. Noah, in the group chat, you were like, this is going to be a short one, so don't worry. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Nathaniel. You need to get to sleep. I'm working from home tomorrow, so ah. that's why I said yes. Okay. All right. Nathaniel. We need, we need to stop. Since you love Twitter so much, where can people find you on Twitter? <laughs> people can find me on Twitter at NathanBased. Mm-hmm. And people can find me on Blue Sky at NathanBased.bsky.org. <laughs> Social. That shit's not um, catching on. This sounds it's so not. unwieldy. Yeah. I have zero posts, two followers, and three following. Let's so go. I got to get my ratio right. Um, Start posting. I got to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I follow the Girl Mode podcast and they don't follow me back. Boo. Tell them up. Uh, once they listen to this, they'll follow you back. It'll be good. Okay. Tori, what about you? You can still find me on the sinking ship at Tori underscore as underscore always. I have a blue sky, but I made it two months ago and I don't even know what my name is on there. Love it. But I have one. <laughs> uh, ditto to that website, Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S. The podcast is also on there at press underscore start pod. And we're on Tumblr and now blue sky at press hyphen start pod. Um, you mentioned the Girl Mode podcast. Shout out to the Girl Mode podcast. They're the ones who gave us our uh, invite link to press to Blue Skies. So yeah. we got yeah. to that website thanks to them. Shout out, Girl eternal, Mode. Eternal friends of the pod. Go listen to Girl Mode. It's a good show. Um, our music for the intro and outro are from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. The show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. And if you want to email the show, hey, press start at gmail.com. Hit us up. And I think that's about everything. Go sit in your car and turn on National Public Radio. If it's a fun drive event, donate to the fun drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if it's not that big of a deal, add a zero. There you go. There you go. Um, Tori, anything else? Are you good? <laughs> don't watch any of that shit she recommended earlier on in the podcast oh, no, listen to the two podcasts I recommend okay. those are good but don't don't watch anything else there you go don't watch anything yeah don't, don't I, stop scrolling stop watching just stop go touch grass and thank you for listening to our podcast